The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. So he was aggressive after night one, after the next two, is he still aggressive? Yeah, what do they call him, the con artist? I like that. I, I saw that, man, that's, that's pretty good. It's a cool nickname. Do you have a favorite nickname? I've been called worse. That's my favorite nickname. Yeah, yeah. The con artist. I'd never thought of that. Never heard that before. Good one. I don't know that that's a good... I don't know. Because a con artist is not a desirable quality. Right. It's... I know it's not. It's it's a, someone to be leery of. Right, right. It's someone to watch out for. But this is it's someone who's going to get con you. Artists. That's where it's different. Okay, he's an artist. He's building a team. This is the con artist, right? And I don't know. You're right. It's not. It, it, it's not a. It's not a good term usually when you're called a con artist. But you got to. You got to. You got to. You got to. <laughs> yeah. You got to apply some elbow grease to turn that one into a good one. I don't know that I would want that one put on me. If my name was Khan, however it might be spelled, the con artist is something that makes people leery of me. And look, when you trade up, when you trade down, when you trade whoever, whatever, however, you always want the other team to feel like it got a victory, not that it has been flimflammed. So that would be. So where did my it come concern. from? I but couldn't hear amazing. the question. Like, what? What was it that it that where it just something that developed online? Is that what it was? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I just sat down as it started, so I don't know. <laughs> Today was the closest I've ever cut it, and I thought I was fine. See, the more I think I am perfectly on time and all is well, the closer I cut it. This is the first time I actually sat down when we were in black, where the show, the screen, the image goes black as we await the start of the show. I was alarmed when I sat down and I saw that we were in black. That means it's less than 30 seconds to go. So I didn't hear it, frankly. And I had to get well, my Well, what's up? You moving slow this morning? You a little tired? What's up? You party a little hard in the barn last night? How, you know, why are you cutting no. it so close? What's going on? I don't know. I was fine. I didn't go to the barn last night. See, I my nap schedule got screwed up on Sunday. And I didn't realize until I missed a nap how much it messes up my sleep oh, pattern. Well, we know now. See, this is how we know you're old because it's the second day in a row you're talking about a missed nap on Sunday. But just go ahead. Keep continuing there, old man. Go ahead. <laughs> you asked me a question, I answer it, <laughs> <No>. asshole. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I want to hear the rest of your non-nap theory here. Go ahead. I'm sure you want to hear it. I'm sure you're very interested in it. But when you get used to splitting up your sleep into five hours at night, and 60 to 90 minutes in the afternoon, and you skip a nap, that just makes you really tired. Like Sunday night, I was dragging, and I was tempted to take a nap right after dinner, but then I would have been up till 3, and I didn't want to go down that path. I just fought through it, and I slept 6 hours Sunday night. But still, I just felt off. Yeah, I, I felt you. off all day yesterday. So I, 
I am a creature of habit, and my habit is hour to 90 minutes max in the afternoon, five hours at night. Last night, I think I got five and a half, and and that's that. So, so I don't know. I got up at 6.30, 10 minutes before it's fire drill time. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe I just have to wake up at 6.40 and fire drill it, and that gets me up here. Ugh. Two minutes before the show starts, as opposed to the final 30-second countdown. One of these days, I'm going to miss the start of the show. It hasn't happened yet, but it will happen one of these days. I root for one it every morning. Days, the, alarm, the alarm is going to go off, and I am just going to say, I don't feel like it today. What are they going to do? Fire me, and then I won't show up, and then they will fire me. Yeah, well, they probably won't, but don't do that. You know, like some point, show up. I don't want to have to hold the show down for two hours unannounced, okay? It's okay for you to miss the opening and be a little late, but... You know, I, I need you here at some point, all right? I need somebody here to talk to. I can't go two hours by myself that way. So, uh, we'll, we'll, like, if you tried, remember to- the day? Remember the day that I had to quit? I had to leave because I was having like horrible stomach problems. Yes, and I do. Tried to. Yeah, you had to get you. You got stuck. I did. I don't know whatever happened. I don't know whatever happened that day. We cut the show I, well, short I know a little what, bit, I, I think. I don't know. They got all nervous. I, they were like, damn, Sim's in front of the microphone by himself that long. Like, that's only going to be trouble for all of us. So they, they condensed the show in a hurry that day. And <laughs> I'll say this. I'll say this. When I say I didn't know what happened, well, I do know what happened on one, on one end. I don't know what happened on your end. But I do know, I do vividly recall what happened. Thank you. Uh, after I ran downstairs, so uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, how, how are you? How's everything? Look, and I, I was telling my wife how you lost your cat over the weekend, and she was upset too because she's more attached to our dog than I am, and we we feel a great deal of sympathy, empathy, whichever pathy is the right one. I guess it's sympathy uh, well, when thank someone you. loses a pet now because we can't empathize yet. It hasn't happened yet, and I hope it never does. I hope I do die before right. our dog I hear frankly. you. So it I is. hope everybody's doing well. We're good. We're good. We actually we did bury it yesterday, right? We, we're old school. We live on a farm. We dug a hole, right? We kind of wrapped her up in a little cloth and, and buried her and kind of did that, right? So uh, that's – I got my – Ex, you know, my old German shepherd, which is a cool thing where my aunt gave me like a butterfly bush, right? To where I had the ashes of my German shepherd and I, you know, had the butterfly bush there within his ashes. It's kind of a cool thing to do. Got the cat buried underneath the, one of our favorite trees in the yard there. So uh, she was our favorite cat. She got prime real estate right there. But thank you for asking. Yeah, I... I don't know. I don't know that I'm going to be able to do that at the appropriate time. I may have to outsource that job. Yeah, I, I know. Imagine. It's a rough one. I can't imagine doing it. Yeah, it's so, a rough one. It is. Uh, we actually have we have a family member's dog buried uh, back on our property uh, from several years ago, and I just remember when they were doing that. It was just, it's just, you know, it's just, it's yeah, just it's heart wrenching. It's just, it's everything about it is right. Oh well. Uh, happy, happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. <laughs> We got some news. Let's go. Let's hit up. We'll let's try to some find football. Something, something better to talk about. Something happier to talk about. It's happy days in Green Bay, sort of, maybe, kind of, with Aaron Rodgers out. Now they're hoping that they can go Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love and and only win one more Super Bowl over the next fifteen years with another <laughs> Hall of Fame shortlist best ever quarterback. Here's Matt Lafleur on the question of whether or not. Jordan Love is walking about, uh, walking around, excuse me, or about the facility with a different sort of mojo now that Aaron Rodgers has left the building. Yeah, I would say so. I think it's it's been a cool process from the day we drafted him to see him now, just to see how he's matured um, in every facet of life. I think you guys probably notice it even when when you're in the locker room. Um, so I think he, you know, he, he definitely understands that he, he's the guy in charge. He's going to be the guy in the, in the huddle. And, um, you know, he's got to be an extension of us. And, you know, we're excited for him. We've got a lot of confidence in him. I think he showed it just in the limited action he did last year and just the ability to step in there. And, and you know, the moment was not too big for him. You could see that. He was super poised. And that... That, quite frankly, gave us the confidence that we needed to see from him. You're right, Bill. It, it is hard to lead when you're not the guy. 
and he knows he's the guy now. Look, all along for the past three years, I've said time and again, through the dysfunction that has been prevalent in the organization between Aaron Rodgers and the front office with Matt LaFleur caught in the middle, the only person in this soap opera that I have felt sorry for is Jordan Love because he's the only one who didn't sign up for it, knowing or at least should have known what he was getting into. Matt LaFleur should have known what he was getting into. Everybody else is there voluntarily. Jordan Love got drafted into it by the Green Bay Packers, and I'm sure at times, regardless of what he's said out loud, Chris, I'm sure at times over the past three years, he's been asking himself, what in the hell twist of fate? Who among the football gods did I piss off to put myself in this spot where I'm understudy to Aaron Rodgers when, number one, he's playing at a Hall of Fame level. Number two, it's just this constant mess. And number three, at some point, I have to be the guy who follows the four-time MVP. So I've always felt bad for Jordan Love, and I hope he does well. And I hope this works out for him because he's been through some stuff the last three years. Well, he definitely has. I I mean – you know, I'd, I'd sit here and argue it's, it's one of the toughest situations that we've seen in the last 15, 20 years in football. For a first-round quarterback, man, I don't know. Maybe it's the toughest situation ever, honestly. You know, I think you could go back and go, man, one, maybe he was overdrafted. Two, yeah, he got thrown into a situation that was a soap opera for, you know, three, three and a half years. And so th- that's not. And then, you know, also with a guy that I think was raw in his talent, you know, like I said, a hair overdrafted maybe in the late first round, you know, and then obviously maybe a little mature off the field, immature off the field too. You know, there was a lot of obstacles to overcome. But the one thing you heard about the guy constantly is everybody likes the guy, the person, right? So that's the positive thing. He's got working for him. And, yeah, now an Aaron Rodgers is in there, he can start taking control and, you know, Leading, leading, you know, leading the charge, leading the, leading the ship there as far as the other young receivers that he can now, you know, formulate a bond with and Wa- and Dobbs and, and Watson. I think it's really important. It's a real thing, Mike. You know, my, I can give a little history into this. My second year in the NFL with Brad Johnson, right? They were two years removed from the Super Bowl. But I was kind of getting the feel that, hey, I, I got a chance here. I might be the starter. And, you know, Gruden was starting to give me some, some inklings, and everybody was. And I ended up being the starter about, by about week four. But before that, yeah, it was hard to be a real leader. Even though I knew I was one of the leaders of the team, it was hard to voc- vocalize anything or say anything. I, I had too much respect for Brad Johnson. I wasn't going to step on his toes, even though I was like, I, I'm better than him. I think I should play right now, right? I was thinking that, but I wasn't going to do that to him. So he's been in a tough situation, and it's good to see him unchained that way. Who put the shaving cream in whose shoes? Man, in Tampa? Did yeah. you do it to Johnson, or did Johnson do it to you? Did Johnson have a kid old enough to do it to you? I yeah. guess that's the more. Yeah, that would probably be the one, yeah. the way to go there. But he couldn't have been better when I did take over, which was great. But you know, to, to, to the, the situation Jordan Love was in, yeah, I can sympathize with that. Over the last few years, it's hard to be the guy when there's a guy in front of you at the same position. After 2020 which was Jordan Love's rookie season, you know, there was talk, well, the Packers don't know what they have in Jordan Love. After 21, same thing. Well, you don't know what you have unless the guy can play. You don't even begin to know what you've seen in practice. Does it translate into games that count when you're talking about game planning? Even the sliver that we've seen from the Sunday night against the Eagles when Jordan Love came in and faced a defense that wasn't ready to see him. Aaron Rodgers leaves. There's... I think a certain amount of exhaling that the Eagles defense does sure. as Christian Watson That's is running right. by them on that little crossing route. But when we get into October, when there's been four, five, six games of Jordan Love and tendencies, tells what he does well, what he doesn't do well, game planning, how do we attack this guy? How do we confuse this guy? How right. do we make him the do the step. things he doesn't want to yeah. do? Can he bust through that ceiling? So I don't know how relevant a half game last year was other than to the fan base. I don't think it means anything to the team. It doesn't tell them they've got 
a guy who's going to be great or a guy who's not going to be great. I mean, if he would have just been a disaster that night, yeah, that's relevant. That's far more relevant than the fact that he came in and checked the boxes and did well. That is expected, right? Of a guy who was a first-round pick, gets a chance to play against a defense that isn't ready for him. It's expected you're going to come in and you're going to be able to, to keep things moving. Yeah. What is unknown, unexpected, unpredictable at this point is how he does week in and week out. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, no, I think that's a fair assessment. You you said it right. Hey, when you get in, you know, three, four weeks, you know, as far as playing, tendencies, offensive tendencies, everything, you know, defenses start to formulate a little bit more of a personal game plan around the actual player they're playing against. Wait, he likes to throw here. Hey, in this situation, he does that. So that's where life gets harder. And now, yes, you got to take your game to the next level. You know, yes, to, to your point, it is expected for you to come in and be able to hold down the fort when you're a backup quarterback or, a you know, a first-round quarterback. But I think he did more than that in that game. And I think that's what LaFleur is alluding to in that Eagles game, that that was more than just, hey, he came in and ran the offense. It didn't look that bad. It was, hey, he came in against the best team in football and on their field in Sunday night football, and he didn't blink. And actually, he played really well. And so even though it's a little inkling, you know, in the big picture of thing, I do think that was, you know, probably the jump off spot of like, ooh, wait, huh, wait, we, we can win with this guy. We can move the ball down the field with this guy. Maybe we don't have to be all in or just bow down to Aaron Rodgers. I could see that being being the moment. And I think within all this and Aaron Rodgers leaving town too, like, I know we hit on this a little last week. Green Bay, you said it last week. If you had to pick Green Bay or the Jets to go to the Super Bowl, you'd, you'd pick Green Bay. Green Bay's team's better than people are giving it credit for. Still a good O-line. Still good running backs. Those two receivers, you know, that defense, and they've added to it. You know, it didn't meet expectations last year, but it was still good. So, you know, I think all those things, especially that Eagles game, even though it wasn't a huge thing, I think it was a huge thing to them to go, wait, we think he can do this. Well, and one of the main reasons I think the Packers have a better chance to get to the Super Bowl than the Jets is because of where the Packers are, conference and division. Yeah, sure, so I got flip you. Flip the two. I got you. Packers are also Rams at best in the AFC, and the Jets are up there with the Eagles and the 49ers as the favorites in the NFC. Now, leadership, I'm always fascinated by this. Wise man told me a few years ago yeah. that there's two ways a quarterback leads. One, natural, sheriff, walk through the door, take charge, Peyton Manning style. Two, the team elevates. The team promotes. The team says. Coaching staff, front office, everyone. Inside, outside of the building, the message is he's the leader. Follow him. And when you clear out Aaron Rodgers, you necessarily put someone in that spot. Now, at some point, he's got to show leadership. But it makes sense he shows deference when Aaron Rodgers is there because that's the last thing you need is Aaron Rodgers feeling like he's got a threat to the throne right. internally. That's just not going to go down well for the delicate genius. We know that. We accept that. We factor that into how Jordan Love carries himself, and I think Jordan Love's smart enough to not even try Definitely. to take on the king. Right. But now the throne is empty. He's got to step up, and he's got to be the guy. And, you know, it's going to take some big moment early in the regular season, making a big throw, big spot, big run, lower the shoulder, although I don't typically advise that because you want to keep yourself healthy, but something that wins the respect of the locker room that justifies why the organization has said he's the guy. It's got to be something he says or does in a key spot that proves while also boosting yeah. his credibility within the team that's right it, it, it's credibility you're, you're you're saying it the right way you know money talks in an NFL locker room play on the field talks period that's what people follow and yeah you know to your point you know a lot of quarterbacks are got, getting money and playing well on the field and then you have the ones like Peyton Manning and other guys like that who yeah they're the sheriff and they come in and they control things not everybody's like that Jordan Love I don't look at him to be that way you know but either way yeah, this is a, this chance to start to, you know, bring things together the way he envisions it. 
You know, you don't have to worry about, hey, I'm going to have a few guys over the house and go, oh, wait, I got to call Aaron or, you know, maybe I shouldn't do that because I'm not the ba- you know, I'm not the starting quarterback. So maybe I shouldn't have all the receivers. You know, those are the things you think of when you're in a situation like Jordan Love. So now he can really get team camaraderie and be the leader of that that type of scenario and 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 and, and those gatherings that way. And then I think to your point, too. Yes, on the field, what he even does in OTAs and even training camp and preseason. That'll all start to manifest if he can, hey, make a big throw, you know, ooh, makes a, has a great day in OTAs and throws lasers all over the field. Ooh, training camp, he's putting day and day after day after day together that is really good and he's mentally all over it. That'll all start to gather steam to be, hey, this is our leader. And then the finishing touch is like what you said. He needs that big moment, that fourth quarter moment where, ooh, things were tough, but he told us to shut up and get in the huddle and, hey, we're going to be okay right here, and we won the game, and then, boom, now you are the leader of the football team. And that's in, I think, the perfect world, what the Packers are hoping here with, with Jordan Love. We caught some glimpses, glimpses of it as well before Aaron Rodgers was traded, Jordan Love gathering teammates somewhere throw and yeah be right together and right there you go that's and, right see i i really do think what happened the past few years aaron Rodgers' hatred that may be too strong of a word or not of the front office caused him to to put the team in the middle the players in the middle and withholding services in the offseason as a middle finger to the front office hurt the team And that's where the biggest difference is this year, Chris. You've got a guy who isn't at war with the front office, who isn't going to have a press conference where he airs grievances for 25 minutes about how the front office treats him and other players, which really was unprecedented and just bizarre as it was happening in July of 2021. Yeah. You don't have that. And I think the Packers benefit from that. That's why I keep saying I believe in Matt LaFleur. Yeah. Because LaFleur has three straight 13-win seasons. I know last year didn't work out, but three straight 13-win seasons to start his career caught in the middle of Aaron Rodgers and the front office. Right. You take that dysfunction out of the team, and you have a normal relationship between quarterback and organization. You're necessarily going to be better. Now, there still may be a drop-off between the skills of your quarterback before and your quarterback now, but... It's going to be more peaceful. It's going to be more calm. It's going to be less dysfunctional for the Packers. That counts for something, too. It does. In the week-in and week-out grind of a football season. No, 100%, right? I mean, again, I think there's there's a reason. We've, we've seen great teams in history not have those elements that are like that for the most part. You know, distractions or you know, such a disliking of something in the locker room that it becomes a distraction or, you know, it becomes a distraction even when people don't think it's a distraction where it's like, oh, there's Rodgers and Gutenkust. They're they're in the locker room together and the guys are in the corner like kind of watching them and watching it play out. There's just, yeah, it it had to be hovering over the organization or or the players. Oh, what did Aaron say today in the press conference? Did he drop a few, you know, you know, one of those, you know, like like what you say, you know, those crazy, cryptic messages that we can all laugh about or whatever. Yeah, those those things could be, you know, not good for a locker room in that way. So now you get positive vibes, positive culture, everything. It's not, hey, we're out at practice, but we got to answer questions about a guy at OTAs who's not here, right? That makes no sense. We're all here. We're all in this together. You know, I, I'm to your point, Mike, I think there's a ton of positives with not having to deal with that drama right now. And I think the attitude that Aaron Rodgers has toward the front office spills over to the other players. How can it not? Think back a few weeks ago. Pete yeah. mentioned David Bakhtiari. Yeah, I know. I'm going to take it a different way than what Pete had discussed. When David Bakhtiari is on the Bustin' with the Boys podcast and he throws out that alternative that the Packers could pursue of pay Aaron Rodgers to sit on the bench, one of the headlines that came out of that was 
Bakhtiari kept referring to the Packers as they. As they. Right. They, they, they. We talked about that. Yeah. He wants out, too. Or what the hell's going on here? It should be we. Every fan, especially Packers fan, with a piece of paper that says you own a share of worthless stock has a license to say we. How in the hell can the starting left tackle on the football team not say we? And then he finally addressed it. Of course, it's everybody else's fault, not his. He was referring to the front office. How dare we interpret his words any differently than how he intended them, even though he didn't say so. But just that fact that he would regard the front office of the team as they shows you the extent to which the poisonous relationship between Rodgers and the front office poisoned the rest of the team. They're not thinking of their front office as they. What other player publicly refers to any aspect of the football team as they? It's all we. Yeah, no. So it, it's, yeah. I think that's part of this benefit, too. You've removed the guy who hates the front office so much. Can you? I mean, I don't think it's a leap of logic to think that Aaron Rodgers was constantly complaining about Brian Gutekunst, Russ Ball, and Mark Murphy to all of his teammates, constantly complaining, constantly whining, constantly griping about how they treat players. And we would imagine how many Super Bowl rings we'd have if those dumbasses knew what they were doing. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Not that, yeah. Said that, not no. that they're dumbasses. Yeah. I'm just giving you some flavor. Yeah, you're giving the example. But that's going to spill over to the other guys. Definitely. That's going to spill over to the other guys. Definitely. And, and you take that out of the equation now, and maybe it repairs some of that damage. And, you know, it may be that a few of those other guys do need to move on. It may be not fully repaired until Bakhtiari is out of the building yeah, and sure, maybe sure. playing for the Jets. So, you know, Mason Crosby, they moved on from him. I think some of these guys, there's no coming back from whatever they've heard from Aaron Rodgers the past several years. No, no, I, I think there is that element up there. I've heard that, you know, w despite Aaron Rodgers and what he said, I've heard it from other people up there that there's a little bit of that element there. And, yeah, I think the Rodgers situation – probably pours a little more, you know, gasoline on that fire when you talk about that type of, you know, what we're talking about here. The more of the, you know, civil war or them or they or whatever, and we're all in the same building there. Yeah, I, I think there is a little bit of an element up there in Green Bay. Again, I think it goes one into there's no owner that kind of brings it all together. I think that's, again, where the owner is really good that way. And then two... You know, I do think Aaron Rodgers, other players have been around. There's always been a disgruntled feel about why doesn't Green Bay bring in other big-time players here to get us over the hump. I've heard that from a number of Green Bay people over the last six, seven years when I've been around in certain functions and whatever. So I think it that does rub them the wrong way, but then when you have Rodgers to egg it on like you're talking about, yes, that makes things, you know, even more weird. And – it opens the door for they because, like, you're right, Mike. Players don't ever refer publicly to they. But there is that sense in a lot of locker rooms in football that they upstairs who are controlling the contract and doing all that, that, yeah, it's we, but it's they. And like you always said, you know, the players feel that, hey, we're expendable. As soon as I play bad, they are going to go see you and cross my name off a list and cut me. So there is that element, but you try to fake it and bring it all together. And like you're talking about, get the mojo going in a positive way. And when you have something like the Rodgers situation, I don't know if it ever brings it all together because there's always that divide, I think is what we're trying to say here. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. So now there's a clean slate. Now, now there it's is a new day. Yeah. Now, now there's a quarterback there. I'm going somewhere with this though, <laughs> because the front office has already commenced the process of pissing off the next quarterback, as evidenced by the comments publicly <laughs> from Packers GM Brian Gutekunst about something that we just assumed they would do: pick up the fifth-year option on Jordan Love. He hasn't had a chance to play for you to say. We don't want him. You've cleared out Aaron Rodgers so you can hand him the ball and say, go do it. He's got one year left on his rookie contract. Surely you're picking up the fifth-year option. Please don't call me Shirley. Here's Brian Gutekunst explaining that maybe they won't pick up the option. Have a listen. Yeah, I got to figure that out by Tuesday, I guess. Yeah, but uh, we're kind of still working through that. We've been so focused on the draft. We've had some preliminary conversations, but we'll get to that before Tuesday. What would be the reason not? Uh, again, I got to get through that. Um, there's, you know, it's a lot of money for a guy who hasn't, you know, played. But um, at the same time, obviously, we're we're moving forward with him, so we'll we'll figure that out by Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, certain things I don't think you say out loud, especially when you've got a recent history of a bad relationship with your starting quarterback. It's a lot of money for a guy who hasn't played. The reason he hasn't played is because you drafted him into a situation where you had a guy who became a two-time MVP, then played for another year, and what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Win the job? What's he going to do? Beat out Aaron Rodgers? He hasn't played because you drafted him into a situation where he wasn't going to play. And this idea, and I'm sorry, Brian, I'm doing a, doing a, a post-draft GM interview series, and I've made a request for good because probably not going to get a yes after I say this. What are you doing waiting until the last freaking day to decide what you're going to do with this fifth-year option? You mean to tell me you got no inkling? you got no idea? Uh, yeah. You've done no research? You've given no that. thought whatsoever right. to whether right. or not you're going to pick it up? So why? I mean, but what's the point? I understand strategic lying. I don't understand just this casual, oh, I've been so busy with everything else, I haven't even thought about it. What do you mean you haven't thought about it? I mean, that tells me the answer is no, they're not going to pick it up. Yes. They're leaning that way. Right, right. That's what it tells me. I would agree with that. Uh, I, I, would, I would definitely agree with that. I think that they thought this, you know, this has been thought out. He knew the answer there. For whatever reason, they didn't want to say it yesterday or they want to bring it down to the deadline to make it look like they're – hemming and hawing over, hmm, I don't know, should we haw? I don't know, maybe we should. All right, so uh, that's what I – but but no way are they doing it. And honestly, you, you're right. I mean, they put him in this situation, but I wouldn't give him the fifth-year option either. Hey, Daniel Jones, like we saw last year, we don't know what he is yet. I'm not committing 20-plus million dollars two years down the road to this guy. Now, you're going to have to play the angle a little bit of like what the Giants did with Daniel Jones. Hey, we drafted you. Hey, we like you. Hey, we know what you are. You really want to go somewhere else and, you know, just start at the bottom again and try to work your way there? We believe in you here. We've made you the starter. We pushed Aaron Rodgers out the door. So they have that in their, you know, bag of trips, tricks in their corner, whatever you want to say there to you know, placate Jordan Love when it's all said and done. He knows he's at a spot here where he can be the man, and there's no other spot in football right now that he can do that. So I don't think they exercise the fifth-year option, and uh, I could see it being, hey, he has. if he does have a good year, then they figure something out on another one- or two-year deal just to kind of buy a little more time to evaluate him or whatever else, and then they go from there. Well, probably a four- or five-year deal masquerading Maybe, as right. a one- or a two-year deal, yeah, or exactly, vice versa. Right. One or two masquerading as four or five, right, right. just like Daniel Jones. They can pull the plug on him. Seahawks can pull the plug on Geno Smith. But you know, the, the union gets criticized a lot for the quality of the CBAs that it negotiates, and people always gloss over the fact that at the end of the day, the rank and file aren't going to walk out the door. They're not going to take a lockout that goes into the regular season. They're not going to strike that goes into the regular season. That ship sailed during yeah. your dad's career. That's just not in the toolkit right. for the union. So 
they do the best deals they can, knowing that the nuclear option is never going to happen. Actually, the full-blown nuclear option is go out and set up your own games, which will never happen either. But that's the ultimate that's the ultimate counter to replacement players is we're going to replace the league. My point is this. Against that backdrop, it's hard to get great terms if you're the union. One of the great terms they got in 2020 was that the fifth-year option is now fully guaranteed upon exercise. It used to be guaranteed for injury upon exercise, fully guaranteed first day of the league year when it's due to be earned. That's why once upon a time the Jaguars worked out a deal with Blake Bortles on a short-term contract because they went to him and said, we're not paying you this fifth-year option. Right. He's not going to do it. Right. We're, we're, we're just going to cut you. Here's here's the or else. Here's the offer we'll make you on a contract to keep you around. Of course, they eventually cut him anyway. But this now makes it less likely that teams exercise the option, and that's good for the player. It's good for Jordan Love because even though he doesn't have that injury protection that he would have had in the past, because I think in the past they pick it up. Yeah, they pick it up. Right. It's injury only. We'll pick it up. We can always cut him after the right. year. That's right. It puts him in that spot where he's now in a contract year. Next year he's an unrestricted free agent, and the Packers will have that limited window of exclusive negotiating like the Giants have with Daniel Jones, and they'll have the 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 leverage of the franchise tag, but it's going to be a $15 million gamble. Yeah. Last year it was about 10 for the Giants. Right. Where the salary cap is going and where this number is, it's about $15 million that the, the Packers are – are putting at risk here if they have to go franchise tag next year with Jordan Love. And, uh, you know, good problem to have. Yeah, I think no, that's the only it good too. problem to have is no problem. Yeah. It's a it's a good problem, but it's still a problem. It is. That's right. It's still a problem. But, you know, I think it's one where if they were evaluating right now and they went, hey, no fifth-year option, and damn, he played good enough that we're going, man, we got a franchise tag in and work out a long-term deal or something like that, I think you're right. They'd still go, hey, we'll take it from where we were at and the situation we were in with Rodgers and everything there. So, you know, we'll see where they, where we go. And, you know, again, there, there's support, support there. He does, he does look very calm on the field. I've never felt like he was flustered. We saw last year that and then the coming together of the skills that we all thought the guy had coming out of, you know, Utah State there. You see, he's, he's a big guy. Man, he's got big hands. He throws the ball easy. It spins nice. It's a pretty spiral. You know, so we'll see. And then they're a team that doesn't have to depend on him, as we know. They should be able to run the ball and play a complete full ga- team full game there to where they don't need him to throw it 42 times a game for 380 yards. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. But I'm hopeful for Jordan Love and the Packers in general, you know, because like you said, the NFC, the NFC North is not that deep. And I think that team is better than people are giving it credit for right now sitting here in the spring of 23. And today is the last day to exercise that fifth-year option. If you don't exercise it today, the players who were taken in the first round of the 2020 draft are in their contract years. And look, when they first started this thing in 2011 – with the fifth-year option for the first-round draft pick, an agent said to me at the time, there's no reason to exercise this until the very last day because when it's guaranteed for injury, you have guys in the building, you don't know what's going to happen during the first phase or two of off-season workouts. Guy gets some sort of an injury that lingers into next year. Why do you want to give him that injury guarantee right. more than a year in advance? Well, some teams have reasons now to do it. It's a relationship thing. It's, you know, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, we talked about that, how it gives him that boost. It removes that uncertainty. It gives him the support he needs at a time when he's going through some stuff. Admitted a couple of weeks ago that he considered retirement after his concussions for last year. You don't want to add to his mental burden by not showing him that you believe in him and are willing to support him and guarantee that salary for 2024. But uh, still, you've got several teams taking it right up to the deadline. We've got a graphic that shows there are six of them, six of the first-round picks from 2020 who have not yet had their option picked up or officially declined. The team has not announced their intentions. Is there anyone there that you expect to be picked? I expect Andrew Thomas I, to be that's, picked up. Yes, that's Do what you? I would say. Yeah, I, I'm with, I mean, Andrew Thomas, I mean, he was one of the better tackles in all of football last year. He finally turned the corner to where you go, damn, he could be the franchise here. So I'm with you. He's definitely the one on that list right there that I go, I'd be kind of surprised by the end of the day if we don't hear Andrew Thomas 
you know, got the fifth year uh, option announced. The other ones, I, I don't think any of them are getting a fifth year option uh, out of the out of the rest of the group. And Makai Becton injuries, I think, have kept exactly. the Jets from getting to the point where they'd be willing to make that commitment right. because we just got to see this guy healthy for a season. We there he is, hold together for a season. And uh, he's lost some weight. Oh, man. Mike. Hasn't he? I, well, he's a lot smaller. I think I, I don't know if I said this to you, but I said it on the podcast. You know, he's a lot smaller and he's weighing in at like 338 or 340. You know, that's that's how big that man is and, and that you're yeah. looking at there. But, yes, he works at a place in Jersey that I grew up working out in. My dad and brother, they see him all the time. They've been raving about him all spring. I know they're not seeing him now because they're back in workouts, but – they, they kept saying that Makai Becton's ready to go. He's in the best shape of his life. So there's a little proof in the pudding, but I'm with you. I think injuries, you know, with Makai Becton, even the, if you guys could put that graphic on there, Austin Jackson, right? You saw him, the tackle from the Dolphins. He's another guy. Injuries, hasn't played up to expectations. The other, Noah Igabanye from uh, the, the Dolphins, I don't think that happens either. So, yeah. Igbenogany, I all can't Igbenogany. say. It. Yeah, good, good job. But Andrew Thomas right. is the point there. He's the guy that I think does get it. Yeah, I, Clyde Edwards-Alaire started strong, had 100 yards rushing in his debut the night that Andy Reid was wearing the foggy face shield, the first COVID game in 2020. Edwards-Alaire had a big game. We learned that the H was silent not long after that, and then. He largely has gone silence. He would right. There wasn't planning that, but I'll take it. When I look at Jackson and Igbenogany on there, yeah. it reminds me of the argument I was making two years ago when the Dolphins were very hot on the trail of Deshaun Watson. Uh, oh, it's going to take three first-round drafts. Oh, picks. no, don't well, do that. That's your, such assets. You can't do at, that, Mike. Look Those at, are look big at, assets. Look at your three first-round yeah. But look at your three first-round picks from 2020. Right. Tua, who at the time was not playing at a level to stave off the Watson talk. Austin Jackson and Noah Igbenogany. Yeah, if I'm Steven Ross, I'm saying this isn't a good argument because we had three first-round picks this year, and what has it gotten us? That's the flip side of the, you know, those lottery tickets are so valuable before you scratch them off. Right, right. Isn't that true of any lottery ticket? You never know what it can be. It can be anything. It can be everything. And there's a good chance it's going to be absolutely nothing. And that really is funny. I Let me just digress for a second. There, there was an item in the New York Post, Andrew Marchand, on Monday about the difference between the coverage of the draft on ESPN Radio and on the TV networks. And on ESPN Radio, they were raw, and they were willing to say, for example, why are the Raiders drafting Michael Mayer in round two? And they got into a debate over whether or not that was a reach, whether or not that really fills a need, whether or not they should have gotten somebody else. And the contrast is the TV coverage across the board is constantly, oh, that's great. The great pick, great pick, great pick. Every player is going to the Pro Bowl. Everybody that got drafted this weekend. And 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 look, look, I've come to terms with it because it's become this celebration of football ascension and arrival yeah. and commencement of a career. And let's not rain on the guy's parade. Let's not have the moments where, you know, Mel Kuyper used to be very raw and gritty and the whole Trev Alberts thing where yeah, who the right. hell is Mel Kuyper? It's right. one of the great sound bites. It'll never be duplicated because – no one at the TV desk is willing to come out and say, and I'm not saying they should anymore, hey, there's a 50-50 chance this guy's just never going to do anything. And look, I've evolved to the point where I recognize, as I've said many times the past few weeks, it's not just the player, it's the team, too, that contributes to it. You don't develop the guy. It's on you to not develop the guy. You get this lump of clay that needs some developing, and you're failing to do it. But, but my point is this. Those draft picks look pretty damn good before you use them. And they look pretty good the night you use them. And everybody's feeling pretty good today. Reality's going to set in at some point for roughly half of those guys that were taken in round one the other night. And we're going to see maybe those picks aren't quite as valuable. So yeah. back to my original point. Yeah. Hey, we'll be, we'll be having this conversation three years from now about which guys from the 2023 first-round class aren't getting their fifth-year option picked up because some of them won't be. No, exactly right. You know, and, and you know, one, like we, we hit on yesterday, the success rate of second- and third-rounders is better than the first-round draft picks. 
You know, the first round guys, a lot of the times, yeah, they might have an elite skill, but it's something you take a chance on too, where you go, ooh, he's not complete, but we like this part of him and we think we can grow that like you're talking about or coach this out of him. And then it doesn't work in, in the projection part of that whole thing. But yes, I, I mean, you know, it, it's, that's, that's where we get into the argument, something tangible in the hand there, a real player that we've seen in the NFL play and be great. You know, has a little more value sometimes than we like to talk about than, ooh, those shiny assets over there that we don't know really what they're going to turn into be. And, yeah, with the Dolphins specifically, yeah, they went with smaller quarterback that looked like it might not work, right? Thank God they got the all-star team there and Mike McDaniels there this year. All right, then they took a chance on a – this is why teams sometimes you don't hear them take chances on players in the first round, and they go concerned. Austin Jackson, if you remember, Mike, he had a family member with a – you know, I, he had a, some sort of cancer issue, so he helped out his brother, and it was like the bone marrow transplant, if I'm getting that right or something, where he didn't play much towards the end of his college career. He wasn't the same guy, but they took a chance on that. And then the draft didn't fall the right way where they ended up having to get Igabanye in the first round. And he probably was really a second round pick, but corners, there was kind of a run on corners and they got stuck. So that's how it can shake out to, you know, to your point to where, yeah, Deshaun Watson is greater than, than those three picks right now. Let's look at the guys who have had their fifth year option exercise from the 2020 first round draft class i mean look and this is just proving our point we assume everything is awesome everything is great all 31 of the players taken last thursday night are destined for canton and look here we are from three years ago it doesn't even fill more than one screen of the 32 guys taken who have had the option exercised already the one name that stands out for reasons already discussed to a tonga by low i think yeah. there were there were motivations for it beyond i mean really think, I think about so. it yeah. You're guaranteeing that money of $23.2 million for injury and skill while the jury is still out on both. You know, it's funny. I was trying to – I was trying to uh, – uh, long story bearable. Somebody said, hey, I'll watch tomorrow if you don't crap on Tua. Sorry, guy who said don't crap on Tua. But we're just speaking the truth here. We're speaking the truth. The jury is still out as to both health and skill. And he's got $23.2 million guaranteed for 2024 with open questions about is he good enough and can he stay healthy? Yeah, no, that's, that's crazy. That's one that stunned me. And no. I feel like I feel like they, they feel a duty and obligation. They feel like they owed it to him to do this in order to get anything out of him positive for 2023. They had to do that for 24 to have any hope of having him play well in 23. I, that's how I read it. And that it. to me, if that's true... If that's true, yeah, it's not good business. That's all the more reason to not pick up the option. No, exactly. It's not good business. You're you're doing something outside the realm of what is good business here to I don't know what, appease the player, appease the politics, appease the what the Miami Herald, appease Tuanon. I, I don't know. Yeah. They're negoti they negotiate against themselves here with this one. But I but you know, at the same time, you and I both know how rattled Tua was with the Deshaun Watson conversation and the uneasiness there. I mean, people I've talked to down there, I know you've talked to your group of people there. I mean, it, was, it wasn't good. He was completely off kilter because of the Deshaun Watson talk. So they obviously felt like they, yeah, I, I think you're right, Mike, that your read is right, that they had to make him feel comfortable to get the best out of him and then limit the talk and all the stuff outside of the organization. And that's why they do it. But certainly the one that jumps out to me as well, Mike. The Deshaun Watson talk really first hit fever pitch, training camp conclusion right around Labor Day where you cut the rosters down and name captains. And one of the things, and I've right, said this two before, years ago, no right? one's ever pushed yeah, back against right. it. Yeah. 2021, yeah. when all the Watson stuff was really that. And, you know, there was the term that I heard was fixated. That's Brian Flores, the head coach, was fixated on getting Deshaun Watson. I think Stephen Ross, the owner, was as well. But they vote on captains, and they voted for a C for Tua, and Tua didn't want it. Tua didn't want it. That's how rattled and off-kilter everything was, that he felt like it was just a matter of time before he was ushered out the door. So I don't want, I don't want your C. I don't want your C. I'm not going to be here for very long. So I think that that experience and what happened last year, I feel like at a certain level, and, and let's, be, let's be glass half full here. It's humanity. It's concern That's for the right. human. Right. It's 
how can we how can we do this to this kid? It's not his fault. He's out there busting his ass, trying his hardest, and when he's healthy, he plays really well. We got to show support for him. We got to give him this commitment. We got to take this burden off of his plate. He's got enough to deal with. He's got enough to worry about. We're going to do something that maybe cold, dispassionate analysis we shouldn't do. We're going to do it because we think it's the right thing to do. If that's the reason I can get behind yeah, that get behind a little more easily, then I can get then I can get behind this idea that he's going to be worthless to us this year. He's not going to be able to survive a Daniel Jones year. He's not going to rise to that occasion. He's going to crumble. So if we want anything good out of him this year, we better pick up that fifth year option and treat that as a sunken cost for 2024. You know, tear it up and redo it, whatever the case may be. So anyway, I think you and I both would have not exercised it. But I think I kind of understand why they did. Yeah. And and may, maybe there's a good humanitarian reason in there for doing it. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think there is a good humanitarian reason there in that. And I think Mike McDaniel has shown that already. And I think he has a true caring for Tua. And I think then you add on to what you're saying. Wait, you know, we don't know if he can actually handle this situation in a one year. This could be it. All the pressure of that. Let's not do that let alone Tom Brady's living down the street and won't squash the Miami stuff. So, you know, all of that probably plays into this, this whole thing here. But, you know, all right, Mike, so the rest of the list, anybody else jump on you there or jump out to you as far as fifth-year options that were exercised? You know, um, Jedrick Wills, Tristan Well, Tristan Wirfs Tristan yeah. is moving right side to left side. No-brainer. Uh, I don't know how big of a – an issue that is you know what if it doesn't work on the left side you put him back on the right side you don't just get rid of him yeah he's been good enough that you keep him around definitely you pay the money for the fifth year option yeah that's right Werfs is Werfs is I think a special tackle you know Werfs is in that combo for best right tackle in football I think he'll continue that to the left side he's an extremely athletic guy you know yeah there's an adjustment period there you know, you've alluded it to one of your gross uh, ways one time before, but yeah, you that know. he's the one that said that it. was him, right? That's he where it went into it. my head. You know, yeah, you know, sometimes you wipe with the right, so I got to learn to wipe with the left. It's so. like learning how to. <laughs> yeah, it's like learning how to wipe with your other hand, yes. changing from left to right, right to left. He said it. I thought of that when he said a couple of weeks ago that he's working out both ways just to be ready because they didn't know at the time yep. and i said boy somebody made that comment at some point so i searched it's like it was him <laughs> he's the one who said it yeah yeah he's he's I, I think he'll make the transition you know i think by the time the season comes around he'll be you know he'll be awesome and rolling and, and ready to go you know jerry judy i was i was interested to see what sean payton would do there because of course there was the talk of like hey all these guys are available and you can do that but I think he, you know, Jerry Judy's done enough, and you realize, wait, we can't just let that guy out the door this year. And especially, I think, with the state of the rest of the receivers in Denver, he's a valuable commodity. You know, that was one maybe I was interested to see where that went. Jedrick Wills maybe surprised me to a degree. I wasn't sure. I don't want to say surprised me, but wasn't sure. I think after that, I thought it was pretty chalk and, and thought these guys would be franchise or fifth-year options. There was a time early in Brandon Ayuk's career where I thought it yeah, wouldn't go. Right. He's come on. Right. He has. Right. Agreed. Guy they traded up to get. Yep. Packers were waiting for him. Packers wanted Justin Jefferson, then Brandon Ayuk, and then they activated the Jordan Love strategy. But I thought Ayuk early on in his career wasn't developing into the guy they needed him to be, but he has. Yes, he has. He's gotten that fifth-year option. All right. Let's look at the ones who got a, a no thank you, as announced by the teams. And it starts with the guy who was the defensive rookie of the year in 2020, Chase Young. Had the torn ACL in November of 21. Hasn't played much since then. I think the the winds have been blowing in that direction for a while. Yes. That he wasn't going to have his option picked up. And, and now, look, this is it. It creates a scenario where he has to prove himself. And he may go out and have a monster year knowing it's a contract year for him. The same kind of gamble we've seen the Giants make with Daniel Jones and that the Packers may end up making with Jordan Love. Go ahead and prove us wrong. Go out and have a great year. Yeah, that's right. He's got, to, he's got to prove it. He's got to prove it. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to show the explosion and the disruption of why he was the number two pick in the draft. Right? It was, you know, hey, it was a good rookie year. There's no doubt. You know, but even in that rookie year, there was like, hey, I don't know. Is he a great pass rusher? We'll see. He's a great athlete, a great specimen. He plays hard and does all these things. Is he a great pass rusher? I think that's a real question in the league and in Washington. And then 
you add in the injury concern, that makes it hard to give a guy that, wait, your living is to be explosive coming off the edge with a 320-pound man pushing on you, and your knee hasn't quite recovered you know, to the, to the way we would like it at this point. Yeah, you can't go down that road. So it is a big prove-it year. And they got a lot of money committed to that D-line in Washington to where, yeah, they just can't throw out and go, oh, hey, our D-line is making more than $100 million a year, and now we just got to figure out the rest of the football team. So uh, this is a big year for Chase Young. And Montez Sweat's on the other side, who's a damn good pass rusher too. And they got some decisions to make with him as well, let alone they paid the two Alabama boys in the middle. So we'll see where it goes with uh, Chase Young. But I, I think it's one where I could see him being somewhere else after this year's over. Any other names from that list that that surprise you I, as guys who had the option not picked up? I can't say that there is anybody that really surprises me. You know, Patrick Queen, he's a good player, but last year was probably the best year he's played, and, of course, Roquan Smith was traded there, or they acquired him because Patrick Queen wasn't playing up to the capabilities of a, a first-round pick at that point. So I was interested to see that. I don't know if there's anyone else that really surprises me there. You know, I like Jordan Brooks on the bottom of Seattle, the linebacker. I think he's extremely talented, but he's a guy who tore his ACL last year too. So it's hard to guarantee that fifth-year option off of that. Uh, but, no, I, I, I think, you know, for the most point, most part, Chase Young was the big name on this list. Five linebackers on that list. Yeah, too. there Caleb is. Caleb on Chase on of the right. Jaguars. Never quite found a comfort zone no. anywhere. I remember he came in with a lot of hype and yeah. great personality. We interviewed him at the Combine. That may have been the day that you you were uh, – well, you, you were that, that was pre-vomiting the trash can for you. Yeah, were you yeah, there the, for, yeah. for the Caleb on Chase on interview? I was there. I, I'm pretty sure I was there for Caleb on Chase on. Either way, I know I really liked him coming out in the draft too. Yeah. You know, I did. I thought he was – he had a chance to be like an explosive edge pass rusher there. But it hasn't worked out. You know, and another way, to like Mike, to your point, like you said last week and even yesterday, I think he got stuck within the coaching change and thing like that in a scheme now that doesn't fit him. You know, he's he was made for the Seattle Gus Bradley 4-3 fly off the edge, be that type of guy, and now they don't play that type of defense there. Now it's more the Bucks defense. It's 3-4 rooted, and he's stuck in a spot where – his skill set doesn't fit that scheme all the way, and that's you know what's unfortunate sometimes for young players when coaching changes happen. And that was the year that COVID first kicked in, but there was a scouting combine. The right. pro day workouts, I think, got abandoned, but the next year there wasn't even a combine. So I don't know how much that affects it, the evaluation, yeah. but you got you know, plenty of guys who don't have the fifth-year option picked up. I haven't compared this year to past years, maybe the numbers are roughly the same. And I wouldn't be surprised if they are because it is a crapshoot. Half the guys are going to work out. Half the guys aren't. That's something you never hear during the hours and hours and hours of draft coverage because, again, you don't want to rain on the guys' parade. And also, I also believe that if you start pointing it out generally that half of these guys just aren't going to work out, the next question from the audience becomes which half? And the truthful answer to that is I have no idea. And the accurate response to that would be, well, why am I listening to you then? <laughs> so I think that's one of the reasons why they just opt for everything is awesome, everything is great. Uh, one last guy in here yeah. is uh, Jeff Okuda. Now, C.J. Henderson was traded from the Jaguars to the Panthers, and the Panthers still acquired the fifth-year option. Something happened in the Jeff Okuda trade that took that off the table reconfigured, reassessed some of the money's being paid by the Lions. Not that they were going to pick it up anyway, Yeah, right. but he's not even eligible for it at this point. So, again, I they weren't going to pick it up. They already picked it up on A.J. Terrell, Terrell. in Atlanta. Yep. So they're not going to pick up fifth-year option for two corners, especially when there's a reason why Okuda was available. Exactly right. He's got to prove it, too. You know, again, he hasn't lived up to that third pick in the draft billing there. It's It's been injuries and, you know... This year was better, but before that, underwhelming man-to-man coverage. So, you know, th yeah, they got him in the fact of, hey, we think the change of scenery could be good. We like this guy coming out of college. He had all this pressure in Detroit as the number three pick. He got injured. He was in the doghouse. It just never worked out. They're hoping they can strike gold here and get him going. 
get him playing really well, and then maybe get to the end of the year and go, hey, here's a nice little contract to dangle out in front of you, and they sign him up for another two or three years after that. And if not, he leaves you a free agency, and if they have net losses versus gains, he contributes to the haul of compensatory draft picks they get in 2024 that's one of the things that gets overlooked in these bargain basement trades that get done you get the guy for a year and you may end up with a wash now you got to pay him this year i think that's one of the reasons why the lions wanted to move on and they are paying some of that salary but from a draft pick standpoint you may end up exactly where you were if you let the guy leave if he has a good year and he doesn't want the contract that you offer him you don't want to franchise tag him all right let's go ahead and take a break there were a record 43 trades during the 20. 23 draft, but none of them involved receiver DeAndre Hopkins. Where do things stand between Hopkins and the Cardinals? He posted a video yesterday that we'll try to discern and interpret when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 